Hello, and welcome back to the Book Marketing Tips and Author Success Podcast. This is Penny Sansevieri with my ever-awesome co-host, Amy Cornell. And this is a particular, this is a very, this is a topic very near and dear to my heart, uh, both because I write how-to, but I also adore self-help. And we are, so we're talking today about how to get, how to sell more copies of your self-help or how-to title um, because there are some really unique challenges to this market. And let me explain how, so how to, so self-help is kind of self-evident, obviously, but how-to is a little bit more, um, it, 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 it can be anything from like my books, how to market your book on Amazon to, I stumbled on one book on Amazon, how to teach your cat French, right? <laughs> so, so there's a whole, and, and obviously the how to teach your cat French book is probably, uh, it's probably not real, but it's probably just meant to be funny, but we can hope, right? We can hope, but the idea really is, is that, and I can speak from my own experience, right? People who shop for these books usually have multiple three or four similar titles or even dozens. I mean, if you look at my Kindle app, um, I have dozens of how-to and self-help books because I just, I, I'm a huge fan of that. I'm, I read different genres too, but that is something that I'm really a huge fan of. So we're really looking at talking about how to stand out from this really cluttered market and turn more of your inquisitive shoppers into book buyers. Right. Like I, I love that point, Penny, because if they're still shopping, then that means they probably haven't found a method that really works for them yet. Or maybe it worked for a while and it doesn't work anymore. Or for whatever reason, they're still searching, hunting, or, you know, like you are just fans of education and learning and they feed themselves with just getting a bunch of different viewpoints and perspectives. And that's, that's what they're looking for. But either way, they're still shopping and that's where your unique selling points really come in. That's where you have an opportunity to grab their attention. Exactly. Or it could be your unique selling points for, so, you know, yes, your background, your expertise, all, and I want to elaborate on that in a minute, but it could also be the unique selling point of the topic. So around this is, I'm just going to go like full disclosure, open the kimono. At the end of the year, like I love books on time management, getting organized. Like that's like my late December after between Christmas and New Year kind of thing. Like I love going through these books. One of the things that one of the books talked about and I was sorry that this wasn't in the book description because I looked and it wasn't in there, is that time management books generally don't work for this reason. And that to me was, that was really burying the lead. That to me is your USP. That's your unique selling proposition, right? Yeah, I love that. that. Yeah, that should have been in the book description because, and in this paragraph, the author talked about this too, People who buy time management books, for example, buy a lot of time management books because of this one thing. And I think that that is something where 
if you're going to stand out from some kind of a cluttered from a cluttered crowd like this, right? I imagine there's probably only one book on Amazon about teaching your cat French, but I would I would bet you that there are five hundred thousand books on Amazon about time management. So what is your unique selling proposition? The other piece of it is what is your background? Okay, so if and we've talked about this before on podcasts, and I and I want to mention how you can kind of supplement your background. If let's say, for example, you wrote a book on, um, on, you know, diet and health or something, and you're not a dietitian, you're not a doctor, you're not a nurse, you could potentially get credibility for this topic. And let's say you wrote a really good book, lost hundred pounds, whatever, you know, I remember we had an author a bunch of years ago, she wrote before plant-based eating was a trend. Now, obviously it's called vegan, but at the time it was just called plant-based. And she had put her father after a heart attack on this and just completely like this fixed all of his issues. And she wrote this book and I said, you know, we're going to have a hard time promoting this book because you don't really have the expertise with all due respect to this diet and your dad and the changes that you created in his life, you've got to get somebody to write a foreword. So in her case, she got doctors and dietitians to weigh in and that helped to lend credibility. But if you're buying anything on how to, anything on self-help, um, you got to know that this matters to potential buyers because you've got to build confidence. So adding it to your bio on Amazon, adding it to your website. And then, like I said, do not bury the lead on what your USP is. Yes, absolutely. I think that's a really good point. They do, people care about what the person, you know, why are they selling me this? What is their unique background? They absolutely dig into that. And we've done episodes across multiple episodes where we've mentioned the importance of your bio on Amazon. So I love that you mentioned that, Penny, because so often authors, you know, kind of miss the mark on what really should be in your bio and what shouldn't. So I'm glad you made a point to bring that up too. Yeah. And, you know, in like we already talked about, your potential buyers have likely read multiple titles on this subject. So another important thing you have to you have to dig into is what makes your book unique in the market. So we've kind of discussed, Penny went into what makes you unique, how your background matters. But then this probably sounds like a no-brainer, but y'all would be surprised how many authors come to us with a really solid book, but based on their description and what they've put on their website, they really haven't done a very good job at narrowing down what sets their book apart in the market. And a lot of times, you know, it's because they've got, I think at least it's because there's some tunnel vision, like they know what's in their book and they know why it works, but they have a hard time translating that to really make the, you know, again, the unique selling point stand out. Why is your book different than all these other titles that somebody else already purchased? And a lot of that is doing some competitive research, not just saying my way is better, but really doing some research into bestsellers, into things that have worked in the past for people. Why did those work? How is yours different? What makes yours special? Um, Sometimes this could even be why you were inspired to write the book. You know, I think, Penny, your point about the woman who who wrote that book about a plant-based diet because she had a very personal experience. I think that has a place here as well. You know, what, and to your point also, what can it fix? You know, this is why, um, or this is the one problem most people that buy time management are looking to fix, things like that. I love that. Um, And again, it's critical that you work these, 
unique elements of your book into your book description and make it super clear. We cover this a lot with our clients. Bullet points are your friends when it comes to your unique selling points, why your book is different. Um, People don't want to read paragraph after paragraph after paragraph of a book description. They scan. And if anything, I guarantee you, your bullet list is going to catch their attention. So put your best selling points and your most unique selling points in a bullet list to make it easy for them to make that quick decision. You know what? I want to spend a little bit longer on this book page and figure out like what this book really has to offer. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think one of the things that I recommend too is um, read the reviews of other books because a lot of times this can give you some insight into what readers are looking for. And, and a lot of times this is done, this is something that I recommend to you in the book development stage. So where are the holes in some of the other books that are out there? And what are, you know, what are the, some of the reviews saying about these books and what can you address? But it can also give you some ideas about, and not just because one guy said one thing, but if you see, start to see something multiple times, you're really getting a sense there's sort of a thread. And that's another way too. I mean, I love, I both have a love and hate relationship with, with reviews on Amazon, certainly. But I think that, you know, a Aside from the reviews on Amazon, it's also important that you're, as you're putting yourself out there, the book will not automatically make you a thought leader. Um, There are other bricks that have to be kind of laid um, under that foundation. So what other kind of exposure do you have already? Now, if I'm looking at a book, so just as an example, I was there was some book bub deal and I love books on brain health. Like I love that. But if I'm looking at something that is about that particular topic, I'm looking at the person's expertise. Obviously I'm looking at um, their exposure online and I'm not looking at their social media. I'm looking at their website, right? Um, Are they, you know, have they been quoted in places? How current is the book? Those kinds of things. So I think your online real estate is also, important. The book lends you a lot of credibility, but your, but the real estate, your online real estate helps to, um, it helps to, to build up that, that thought leadership status, um, and as well as pitching yourself. The other piece of this though, too, and, and we talked about this, I forget now which episode this was, but we talked about this last year around um, pitching yourself. I think it was a pitching yourself to the media topic. And we talked about how as a nonfiction author, so let's just say nonfiction, just generally finding different angles to popular topics to something that's making pop culture, right? That also shows sort of how diverse you different topics that you can speak to and things like that. It also helps to get you more online real estate because you're being interviewed or you're being quoted or there's some kind of mention at some online publication, those kinds of things. Absolutely. And I think to um, even expand on that a little bit, and I realize we all are strapped for time in 8 million different ways. But I will say when an author comes to us and they've written a book that's either in self-help or how to, and I I do a little search on their background and things like that. I definitely pay attention, Penny, 
when this person is mentioned in other professional capacities. So maybe it's not necessarily a full-blown article that they've written, but I do take notice if they're a part of an organization or an association, or if they, you know what I mean? Those kind of things tend to pop up online too. If you really have been in your industry for a while, I mean, if you look up Penny, you'll see a million things. So those kind of things also stand out. So again, there's, there's a lot that goes into making yourself a thought leader. And so even, you know, being a part of an organization, things like that also just add to your overall online clout when people go to see like, what does this person really have to offer? All those things matter. Yeah, absolutely. It, it all, it all kind of, you know, these are all sort of the building blocks of your career and your message. And I think this sort of dovetails into talking about your website. Um, create something that builds trust, encourages engagement, keeps people in your funnel and coming back for more. Now, one of the things with self-help and how-to is that, you know, sometimes the authors want to do speaking. And I know Amy's going to talk about creating multiple different sort of editions of the book, which I, I love talking about with authors too. But you really want to, you know, maybe you want to build your speaking. Maybe you want to build your consulting. Maybe this is part of a bigger sort of brand strategy. Your website should have... um at its very basic, you should definitely have a blog up there. You should be talking about this. Blogging is not dead. Um, at the very least, you know, once a month, once a week, whatever you feel that you can do, participate in conversations that are happening on a national level. So I talked to an author uh, day before yesterday or something just ahead of um, the big Prince Harry book release. And I said to her, I said, you know, a lot's being said about this book and she's a uh, marriage and family therapist. I said, why, why don't you do a blog post talking about some of Harry's backstory that isn't really being talked about? Like what gets a person to this point in their life? where they're publishing this book, they're blowing up the royal family, they're doing all this other stuff. So what I'm what I'm suggesting to you is is find things that are going on right now that you can put your unique spin on. So we had an author a couple of years ago during a, you know, and I we contacted him there was another school shooting and it was just awful and I said you need to get on your website and start talking about because he talked his message was about bullying. And he talked about that. So creating a website and creating a presence for you to not just, you know, not just selling this book, but you're selling the entire message. So talk about creating your spin on something that's making national news and or, you know, maybe it's not national news. Maybe it's seasonal or something like that. Does that make sense, Amy? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's all about staying current. And I think that was a perfect lead into my next point is that, you know, you have to have a social media approach. And I'm really sorry for anybody that's groaning, like I don't want to be on social media. <laughs> but you know, we this has popped up a few times in this episode already that trust is a really important element if you are going to sell successfully in the self-help or how-to category. So social media, believe it or not, really does add to that trust level. And in the reason, and I'm not saying people are like, yeah, but social media is bullshit. But like, I get that. <laughs> 
(laughs) But what I mean about the trust level is that it gives you another opportunity to share your expertise, to share tips. And honestly, it kind of shows that you're on this journey with people as well, because I will say there is, there's a, a, there's a problem with the one and done kind of perspective with self-help or how to like for people, they're working on something. This is not a one and done for them for the most part. So being on social, having a presence, being consistent, reminding them of everything you have to offer, you're on that journey with them and you give them something to go back to regularly that is supporting your message, your methods, things like that. It really puts you at the next level compared to individuals that throw a book out there and that's all they have to say on the topic. Right. Right. Exactly. That's absolutely true. And I'll tell you something too, if you've been having, um, if you've been having challenges getting media attention for your book, I would look at some of these elements and see if, if you're not necessarily participating in that conversation, um, that's a problem. And that's something that the media will look at as well. Yeah, absolutely. And as Penny mentioned, she teased this a little bit with your future offerings. Yeah, matter as well. So do you have ideas for releasing additional content? Uh, Sometimes it's a workbook or a journal, or there are companion books that expand on your area of expertise or specific aspects of your topic or your method. You know, one-off books, like I said before, they're often challenging, no matter the topic or genre. But when you write self-help or how-to, you're creating a brand that people, again, they kind of want to be able to latch onto that. They want something that's a sure thing. And again, it's about the journey. So creating other elements that fall under your brand umbrella, whether it's mini books or things that you offer on your website, uh, quizzes, all those kind of things also matter. And they also help to bolster your thought leader status. And again, it shows that you have a lot to offer. It shows that you're a sure thing and people are much more likely to spend their money on a sure thing. And Penny, you had you worked with an author, and I thought that would be a great example of how she capitalized on expanding her brand under her topic. Yes. So this was a this was a few years ago, and she had a book um, about buying your buying your first home. And so one of the things I suggested to her was create different funnels dedicated to different market segments. So buying your first home for singles, buying your first home for seniors, buying your first home for Christians. And she actually created different editions of this book that spoke to these individual audiences, which was, and I'm not just saying this because I gave her this idea, but I thought that was very smart. One of the things that I think we oftentimes overlook is we overlook all these different. So we want kind of one book to appeal to all these market segments. And in some cases, that's definitely possible. But many times we are looking for something that's really uh, focused and dedicated to our needs and our concerns. Buying your first home for a single is going to, for a singleton is going to look different than buying your first home as a couple or if you're retired or whatever. So they're all different kind of aspects to that. And I want to just point out what Amy said. We, we worked with an author who wrote a book and it was this beautiful journal. It was a life journal for women. It was absolutely gorgeous. She created a workbook from this journal. She created a workbook that was literally just 
downloadable off of her website. So when we talk about these different editions, yes, there's a place to do this on Amazon, but there's also the opportunity to sell companion books and to sell different aspects of this, even just on your website. Now she used the workbook. Um, <clears throat> she used the workbook on her website to get people to sign up for her newsletter list. So what she did is she published this journal with a link to the workbook that was only digital on her website and boom, people downloaded and she built her newsletter. So there's also these aspects of things that you can do. Like we have the book marketing planner, which I'm always so shocked that it's just so successful. Mm -hmm. um, people love planners. I love planners, especially around the end of the year. I love planners. But that's the thing that, you know, you have to really realize that your audience is, you know, yes, you have one book, one and done, but thinking about other, um, you know, other aspects of this and different kind of offshoots that you can create. And I'm not necessarily talking about editions like audio edition or hardback edition, which we just did a, a podcast on that as well. I'm talking about spinoffs, like Frasier was a spinoff of Cheers. So different <laughs> kinds of, you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. I know that was kind of a silly analogy, but just kind of different. No, but we love Frasier, so I appreciate it. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> different you know, kind of spinoffs. And Penny, you've, you've had the same challenge as well. And I, I hope most people that do fall into these categories, you know, I hope they feel the same way that you have so much to say. Usually if you truly are a thought leader, if you've really figured out a great formula for something, you've got a lot to say. And sometimes it's really hard to put that all into a book and make it work into one yeah. book. You know, so I really hope that most of you listening see this as a really great opportunity to tap into all of the different elements of what you do and what you know and what you figured out and how you can guide people and realize that there are ways to utilize all that knowledge and they don't all have to get crammed into a single book because, I mean, honestly, I'd say rarely does that make for the best book anyway, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And, you know, I think that if you've written an evergreen book, and this this does dovetail something into a blog post that just actually went live yesterday. So um, I wrote several editions of the How to Sell Books by the Truckload on Amazon, which I am updating yet again. And... <laughs> Um, because it is, it's, it's, it's an like evergreen. Groundhog Day. <laughs> I know it's a groundhog day. It is an evergreen book. It, but it does have to be updated because I, you know, I stand behind the usefulness of this book. And I know that that sounds exhausting. However, comma, sometimes mm -hmm. these updates just, you know, cause Amazon changes, they just changed their author central pages. I'm not a huge fan of the new author central pages, but that's a conversation for another time. And I decided to write a blog post on this because, you know, I wanted to, as, as a, as an offshoot of this, how to sell books by the truckload, be known as that, um, book marketing, Amazon marketing expert. So I put this blog post up and some form of that will wind up at some point in the book as I'm updating it, probably expand it out and, and we, and whatnot, but that's kind of what we're talking about. So Yes, you want to look at your book. Does it need to get updated? Definitely spend the time and and make those updates. It, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to rewrite the entire book. That's not what we're saying. But also using different aspects that maybe could you couldn't include, didn't right. really belong in the book, or some kind of new 
way of thinking or new research or whatever for, uh, you know, to create additional content. So because we've run into that before, right? With authors that contact us and they've got a great concept, they've got a decent platform, but the book was released three or four years ago. And you and I know just on a superficial level that things have changed in their industry, you know, and it's like, oh, this is going to be, and we have to have that tough conversation with them. Like, do you think, you know, your book deserves some updates, you know, before you pump money into a big marketing push? Yeah. Because if we're questioning it, I guarantee you potential buyers are also questioning it as well. So sometimes it's a tough decision to make. It really depends on how far you want to take that book. But um, but I appreciate that you mentioned that, Penny, because that's something that you really should come to terms with early on because you don't want to wait until it's too late and then you're playing a lot of catch up. Well, and one final thing that I think is worth mentioning here, and this is actually, I'm not going to quote Stephen King. Um <laughs> I'm not going to quote Stephen King verbatim, but in his book on writing, he talked about the best writers read. And I realize that he's really referencing fiction here, but I read everything in the book marketing um, industry. I read every book that comes out on this. Be a fan of your genre. Understand, because it also helps you to kind of understand where the holes are. Right. So sometimes I look at these books and I think, oh my gosh, I didn't think of that. I think that's great. And I'll post a review on Amazon and say, oh my gosh, this was a great ask. This is the thing that stood out to me. It was great. But other times you'll think, oh, you know, this book was great, but I feel like the author could have addressed XYZ and I'm going to incorporate that in my book. And you won't know that unless you are immersed in your genre. So that's the other takeaway on this is I think in ha- in order to sell more, you really have to know more. And you have to, you know, position yourself as the expert. It's not going to happen overnight, but at some point, if you stay the course, it definitely will happen. Amy, this was a great idea for a podcast. I'm really, really glad we did this show. We welcome your feedback. We welcome your input. If you have show ideas, if you want to give us show feedback, and we welcome reviews wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much for tuning in. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.